You're listening to the Pure Fury Creations Entertainment Network. The views and opinions expressed on this episode are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the views, opinions, or philosophies of the PFC Entertainment Network or any of the affiliates that make this show possible. This show has also been rated M for mature audiences only. Wrestling Rewind on the PFC Entertainment Network. Hello everybody and welcome to a brand new show. Well, not really a brand new show. It's kind of a rebrand of sorts here on the PFC Entertainment Network. Welcome to the Pro Wrestling Rewind. I'm Jason Klaus and I'm going to be joined by my special guest co-host, for this particular endeavor and we weren't really sure what we were going to do in terms of this rebrand other than we wanted to do something that was a little bit different and outside the box um now i'm a big fan of watch alongs for the most part as long as it's something that is of interest of me and right now there seems to be a lot of uh, emphasis on nostalgia and a lot of, especially the newer wrestling fans in this day and age, have a renewed interest in what was in the world of professional wrestling. And when you look at professional wrestling, like the the roots of this business can go way, way beyond. But in terms of organized promotions, it really goes back to 1901. 1902, 1903, with George Hackenschmidt being recognized as the first ever world heavyweight champion for what was at that time the National Wrestling Alliance. Now, since that time and up to where we are now, the business has has grown, has splintered, has has consolidated, and now it's starting to splinter again. So we're kind of going through through the motions here. So what we're going to do on this particular show is we are going to look back on some of the biggest moments, matches, and events in the history of professional wrestling. Now, we mentioned earlier, I'm a big fan of watch-alongs. I like watching an old piece of business and listening to the inside stories of what was going on in that time. Not just like, I'll use this as an example, what happened when on the ad-free shows network, that was created by uh, Conrad Thompson. Like every week he and Tony Schiavone will watch a whole show, no matter what it is. And they will go through and talk about what was happening behind the scenes during that particular time or in the business as a whole. Well, we're going to kind of borrow a page from Conrad's book because I mean, I've made no bones about the fact that Conrad is very much like my, not my mentor, but he was, my inspiration in starting my own podcast network and you know if i can take just you know bits and pieces of what he did that inspired me to to do this um then like i'm all i'm all about it now as we were preparing for the rebrand of this show because this is what's taken the place of the turnbuckle time machine um i wanted to adopt that but kind of put my own spin on it so here 
here today on this pilot episode of Pro Wrestling Rewind. Instead of looking at a whole show, we're gonna we're gonna dial in on one particular match. And uh, I would, when you talk about that, you know, aspect, how many hundreds of thousands of matches are there out there on video for us to do a deep dive on? Well, I was uh, talking to my longtime close personal friend. And uh, he was actually on the last episode of what was the Turnbuckle Time Machine when we did a deep dive on Hulk Hogan versus Ric Flair and the rivalry between the two biggest names in the 1980s. Well, he's back with me. And uh, he actually helped inspire what was going to become the pilot episode. Jason Floyd, uh, man, we've, we've talked about, we, we just talked about this yesterday as a matter of fact and it's kind of what kind of kicked this idea in place i'm like bro this is what what it needs what it needs to be this is going to be the topic of of the pilot episode and i have to have you in this so before we get into this thing how the hell are you i'm good i get to see you two days in a row two days in a row. this is great this has been good when is the last time that time oh man i don't know a decade it's it's been, <laughs> it, it's been a minute man it really has it's been a minute so uh, what we're going to do, uh, you know, during during this conversation yesterday, we were throwing matches out there, and you know, because we're very much in WrestleMania season right now. So we were talking about some of the, you know, more iconic matches in WrestleMania history, and I kind of laid out my top three or four or, or why my personal favorites. And the match that we're going to talk about here today is one that you admitted that. You have seen bits and pieces of it, but you have never seen it in its entirety. Exactly. So I'm like, well, god damn, this is what this is what it has to be. This has to be this yeah. because in the grand scheme of things, on my particular list, this is my second favorite professional wrestling match of all time. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Um, at the top of that list, I have made I have maintained for all these years, and I don't think anything is ever going to top it. From my perspective, Macho Man Randy Savage, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat at WrestleMania three Absolutely. for the yes. Intercontinental Title. Yep, great man. Now this one is number two, and okay. uh, the reason why this one is number two is because, well, number one, the the story behind it, the two participants in it, and the amazing and organic shift that happens during the course of this match that would ultimately rewrite this part of history moving forward in professional wrestling the entire dynamic of the world wrestling federation almost switches during the course of this match and it's, it's something that we have not seen had not seen in quite a long time and really haven't seen since then so here today on pro wrestling rewind we are going to do a watch along on this epic confrontation between Brett the Hitman Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin from WrestleMania 13. And I'm excited about breaking this down with you. Are you excited? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen bits and pieces of it. Uh, I don't quite know the exact background, the story that led up to the match. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see this double switch the old switcheroo unfold here right before my eyes it was the ultimate double switch that happens you know during during the course of this match now uh leading up to this match and this is what what we'll do before we uh before we do this now as we're talking about this part of it leading up to uh the watch along here of this we're just doing this one match we're not doing the entire card we're just doing right. this match um we are um, we are going to take this back to well, King of the Ring, nineteen ninety six, the day Austin three sixteen was born. Austin wins uh, the King of the Ring tournament. He cuts his iconic promo um, at the expense of Jake the Snake Roberts, who at the time was um, very much on this born again Christian kick. Yes. Yep. And. Uh, Prior to that match, Jake had cut a religious-themed promo, and Austin, being him, uh, took that with it and, uh, and and coined one of the most iconic 
Not, I don't know if Austin 316 itself is a catchphrase, but like a movement. Not since Hulkamania had we ever seen one specific wrestler take his brand and become bigger than the business. But that is what happened with Steve Austin. And it happened at the 1996 King of the Ring. Now, you and I have been fans of wrestling all of our lives. Okay. Where, where was your fandom at in 96, going into 97? Oh, you know, for me to sit here and ask the questions that I am and witnessing what I'm going to see here, I'm thinking I had to be WCW at that point because mm-hmm. uh, I think I was following Hogan. Now, that's why WCW got as big as it did because a lot of fans – we're following the established talent over to WCW, Hogan, right. R- Randy Savage, Piper. Um, I mean, you go right on the Honky Tonk Man was over there at this point. Brutus Beefcake. I mean, a lot of a lot of the WWF's marquee names were going over to WCW, Hall and Nash, obviously, um, for for the guaranteed money and in and easier schedules. So it forces the WWF to have to reinvent itself, you know, and create the new stars while establishing the foundation of their established talent that they had left, which would have, which would have been at this point, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, the undertaker. Okay. Um, at this point, Vader is still very new in the WWF and he is um, a, about to become a, a wrecking force and he will get a title shot against Michaels at SummerSlam this year. But the WWF is very much in a uh, a, a change. Like, they're having yes. to find new talent. Yes. Steve Austin comes out of nowhere. He comes in as the ringmaster, and we can all agree that that gimmick was the absolute grizzling yeah, shit. Yeah, that was a struggle. Yeah, um, And it wasn't until he adopted the Stone Cold thing that, uh, you you know, you put, you, you strap the rocket to him, and look what he became. Now, at this point, Jay, you will recall, in June of 96, Bret Hart is out of the WWF. He had just lost the title to Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 12 and had taken time off. He was going to do um, some acting with Lonesome Dove and, and other things of this nature. So he's not in the WWF when Austin wins the king of the ring um it would be austin's poking and prodding and and promos that would in storyline draw the hitman back to the wwf and that would happen at the 1996 survivor series that's this is their first one-on-one match on pay-per-view brett's first match on television since wrestlemania there was a lot of questions can Steve Austin hang with Bret Hart? Even with as popular as Austin was was, was getting at this point, and he was, the, the crowd was really gravitating towards the whole Austin 316 movement because, dude, it was so far away from what we grew up on, the training, the say your prayers, the yeah, Egypt yeah. vitamins. When we were fans, it was black and white, man. There was good guys, there was bad guys. Austin is the first one that really adopted and lived in that uh, that area. Yeah, I was about to say that. Shades of Grey were born. So we're coming into Survivor Series 96. These two, Austin and Brett, have an amazing match. Uh, Hitman wins. Um, Of course he is. You know, they're in the garden. It's his first match back. It's Brett the Hitman Hart. He has well-established at this point, multiple-time world champion. Um, just one of the biggest names for the Federation at this point. And then here comes this brash, loudmouth, over-the-top, uh, you know, middle finger, middle finger waving, like anti-authority character. And it was such a clash of styles. Now the rivalry between Brett and 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 Austin would keep going beyond the Survivor Series until they had what was deemed a submission match 
that would take place at WrestleMania 13, which Austin has admitted on multiple occasions, he was not a submission wrestler. Right. He was a more of a ground and pound in your face. Like he knew holds, but he didn't have a submission hold other than the million right. dollar dream. Brett is your technique, like the excellence of execution. Like that wasn't just a tagline. That's who and what he was. He had the sharpshooter, but he, he he could do a number of different things. That was his gimmick. Now going into WrestleMania 13, and I know you you just said that uh, you were paying more attention to the WCW side of the Monday Night War at this point. But were you aware of the tumultuous goings on yes. that was happening behind the scenes that altered not 100%. WrestleMania? No, not not a hundred percent. But I was. I was in tune and I think you were keeping me in tune uh, mostly mm-hmm. instead of me going back and forth. I mean, uh, when the Monday night wars were going on, I, I knew what was going on on both sides. Right. But during this time, I didn't really have the foggiest of what was going on other than what you were telling me. It, uh, it, it, this is a crazy time in the WWF history because usually Jane, you know, Plans for WrestleMania start taking place on paper a year before. Right. You know, and as we were coming into uh, February of 1997, because WrestleMania takes place in March of 97 uh, on this year. But going into February, we were all, we, uh, the WWF was planning for a rematch between Brett and Sean at WrestleMania 13 in a rematch from their Iron Man match at WrestleMania 12. Well, rumor and innuendo would would suggest that Shawn Michaels did not want to drop the title back to Bret the Hitman Hart. And that was the proposed plan. He did not want to lose to Bret. So this is where you get the infamous I lost my smile Smile. promo on Monday Night Raw. And ultimately through this and through that and you know we had an in your house and all this to lead to WrestleMania, but we were going into Mania with Psycho Sid as the WWF champion. He would be defending the title against The Undertaker, which I was excited about because I knew there's no shit in way Psycho Sid has beaten The Undertaker at WrestleMania. Um, But what did he do with Bret the Hitman Hart? Because Sean is out of it. He's not even wrestling on on this show. So what do you do with Bret? Well, you put him back with what he knows. And the unresolved rivalry with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Now they're going to bring in Ken Shamrock, who is uh, at this point very fresh off his UFC run, former champion over there, mixed martial artist. Like if, if, if everybody knew who Ken Shamrock was, bringing him in as a forcer. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. The guest referee for, for this thing because it was a submission match, yeah. and you got to have a guy who knows about su- submissions. Um, but it was, uh, it was, you know, Shamrock's first appearance in the WWF and we're going to get what is originally planned to be this blow off between this rivalry with Austin and Bret Hart. And, and we're about to do this watch along of this match. Uh, so while we start making our way towards that, fire up your peacock, go to WrestleMania 13. Now, if you go to the WrestleMania tab, it will show up as season 13, which is stupid, but (laughs) be that as it may. Uh, Go to WrestleMania 13, and we are at the um, one hour, 21 minute, 55 second mark. And when you pull that up, you will see Austin is backstage about to make his way to the ring. We are going to mute our end of it. And we will be talking about what we're seeing during the course of this match. Now, I should tell you, um, I I have the premium uh, tier of Peacock, so I don't have the commercial breaks on this. If your Peacock has commercial breaks, you will want to either pause our audio until you get through the commercial break or just take your chances and have what we're talking about be offset by what you're (laughs) saying. Let your mind explore (laughs) So going into Mania here, um, let's talk about the venue real quick. This is at the the Rosemount Horizon 
in Chicago. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Rosemount. Yeah, it takes me back to uh, Survivor Series 88. Survivor Series 88, 88. WrestleMania 2. Two. They had the, uh, the middle portion of the show okay. where the uh, Battle Royal took place yes. between the WWF and the NFL. Yep. Uh, the British Bulldogs won the tag team title on, on, on that particular it's occasion. Over, yeah. That's right. Ozzy Osbourne in the corner. Yep. Yep. Um, the first ever WWF pay-per-view. First official pay-per-view takes place at the Rosemont, uh, the Wrestling Classic. Wow. In November okay. yep. 1985. And that was the one the Junkyard Dog won. I yeah, on, okay. on a goddamn countdown. <laughs> over the Macho Man. Over the Macho Man. <laughs> a, a back body flip, I believe. What a shit show that was when when you think because you know you you had this tournament I know we're going on the sidebar here uh, we had this tournament uh, the the tournament is won by a count out the headliner is Hogan and Piper you know first time on pay per view one on one for the title that ends in the disqualification and it's like what the fuck are we doing <laughs> you know who's who's booking this when the, when it's the first time on on pay per view. But be that as it may, Chicago, Rosemont Horizon, it's okay. now called the Allstate Arena. Allstate, all right. Um, a lot of wrestlers say that this is their favorite venue to work in, Austin included, because of the acoustics. Okay. There. They have the, the wood the wood ceiling in there. Okay. So Rosemont Horizon is a historic building for the World Wrestling Federation, and this is very much... Uh, part of that history they would return in 2006 for wrestlemania 22 it would be the last time that this arena will host a wrestlemania since they've now shifted towards the stadiums so what we're going to do we're going to allow you some time to fire up your peacock go to wrestlemania 13 121 55 is the time is the time stamp we will be back after this quick timeout where my buddy Jay and I are going to break down Bret Hart versus Stone Cold at WrestleMania 13. We'll be back right after this. Inspiring, motivating, sometimes a little funny, always emotional. That's what you can expect every month when you tune in to the Klaus and Q Show. Hey everybody, I'm Jason Klaus. Join me and Quad L. Edwards as we go on the air once a month on Orion Neighborhood Television to tackle a variety of topics. But the bottom line of it all is to get the most out of this wonderful gift that we have in life. How to achieve our greatest successes, how to be better people for ourselves and for those in and around our lives. So we encourage you to check us out. You can find us over on Facebook. Just look for the Klaus and Q Show or KlausToTheHeart.net. And you can find us beginning on January the 27th. We will also be on the air on February 24th, March the 31st, and April 21st. All shows will begin at 6 p.m. and they stream live over on facebook.com forward slash Orion ON TV. It's the Klaus and Q Show exclusively on Orion Neighborhood Television. And welcome back to Pro Wrestling Rewind here on the PFC Entertainment Network. Along with Jason Cloyd, I'm Jason Klaus, and we certainly appreciate you tuning in. We're getting ready to do a fire up the peacock here and take a look at WrestleMania 13, Brett the Hitman Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Jay, this is, and we talked about this at the very start, this is your first time seeing this for the very first time in its entirety. So, I mean, anything that comes across to your radar, anything that you are seeing, um, man, if you have questions, like yeah. I'll do my best to kind of fill in what was going on at that time, based on what I know, based on what I've heard from Bruce Pritchard and, and other people who were there uh, that have talked about this match, one of the greatest matches in the history of WrestleMania, if not all time. So I'm going to, one more time, the time cue is 121.55 on peacock and again we do not have the commercials on our end so if yours does hit our pause our audio 
until you get through your commercial break. And with that, I'm going to do a countdown. When I get to one, I'm going to hit play, and we're going to go. Are you ready? Um, dude, I got goosebumps. Let's okay. go. <laughs> Such a smart ass. All right. And we're going to go in three, two, one, play. And there you see the rattlesnake, Stone Cold Steve Austin, making his way in the to the tunnel. This was a cool entrance, Jay. Wow, the glass actually broke. Yeah. Yep. They had done that a few times with him uh, during his entrances. I think uh, this may have been the first time they did that, having the, the exploding glass. Uh, but... Austin comes into this match very much a heel, Jay. Like he is, he is positioned as the heel in this match. But you see, look at this crowd. You see okay, so yeah. many Stone Cold signs, and this is where Bret Hart is really—he's really just starting to take exception to the more rougher style of the WWF product in real life. But he was bringing that into his character okay. on the show too. So a lot of people were calling him crybabies. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, Austin here just goes to this corner. He's arguing with the ref. He's just going to his corner, and he didn't, you know, later on, he obviously, you know, goes to every corner and acknowledges the crowd. But, yeah, you can definitely tell he's got his heel presence Yeah, here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I believe uh, Vince McMahon, Jerry Lawler, and Jim Ross is on the call for this particular match. Okay, so this is before Vince started getting uh, very much involved. This, Yeah, before the whole Mr. McMahon thing. This happens before, and you can see all the broken glass there that Brett is going to have to walk through. He's going to have to walk right over. Yeah, uh, but this, you know, Bret Hart is still very much like the face of the company in a lot of aspects. But you could tell by his presentation, right as he comes out of the tunnel, he ain't smiling. He's clapping a couple of hands. But this is a different presentation of Bret Hart that we had had been used to at this point. Yeah, based on what you were telling me about leading up into this match, it's almost like he is coming out with just being fed up. Right. Yep. You know, the our our society as at this time was really shifting. You know, this is where South Park was was starting to become a thing. Sure. Um, there was just such a much more raw and aggressive tone to our society. Wrestling has always mirrored our society. You know what I'm saying? So that, I think that's why Austin got as popular. He captured that lightning in the bottle. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. when he came up with Austin 316, like the very next night on Raw, they had signs in the crowd that said Austin 316. Fans were really starting to gravitate towards them. But Brett, at this point, I don't, you know, say, say what you want. The guy from bell to bell was one of the best to ever do it. Yeah. He has a legitimate bitch about the way, about how he feels about stuff because he's very old school. Man. He's very old school in how, the, how you're supposed to protect the business and things of this nature. But above all else, the one thing that I always took away from Brett and Steve Austin, dude, they have chemistry. Yes, they do. You cannot yeah. fake that. And that's what makes this work as well as it does. See, Ooh. yeah. That, that, I don't know if, if you caught a glimpse of that, but that is Captain Lou Albano. And Tony Atlas, right in the front row. See Tony I Atlas? I see Tony and, and I see Lou. Yep. How about that? Okay. This is, uh, I think this is right around the time they were going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Did they acknowledge? Oh, yes. Okay. Yep. They were, okay, they were acknowledging that. There's Captain Lou. He's got a rubber band falling out. and Okay. Oh, obviously, you know, going into the crowd is always a scary thing, you know, when you're a performer. Because at the time, I mean, before Austin started started kind of toying around the... <laughs> he takes a drink. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's what made Austin so appealing, dude. He, he grabs somebody's cup and yeah, takes a drink. <laughs> he just did not give a shit at this point. I want to know, did they get their money back or did they get their drink back? No, I'm going to su suggest probably not. Probably. Oh, it'd be something fun to talk about. Yeah. You know, yeah, I was minding my own business and... I had a pretzel snagged. I had a 
<laughs> I had my Pepsi gone, all courtesy of Stone Cold. But the one, you know, you'll you'll notice like there's a couple of security guards around the area. These 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 guys in the orange jackets. Man. Um, but the fans, for the most part, are. I mean, they're up against them, but they're not interfering. They're keeping with it them. themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhat respectful. I don't know yeah. if if you would see that nowadays with as volatile as wrestling fans are. I mean, this is before <laughs> the guys rubbing Bret Hart's hair. Yeah. <laughs> How he got away with that. Listen, dude, there was a, I was at a house show at Joe Louis Arena and Undertaker and Mankind was the main event and they were on the floor, like right in front of us. Don't think for one second, I didn't re reach out and grab me a handful of, not a handful, but um, I I touched Mick Foley's, you know, hair. Oh, did you? Yeah, because I mean, he they were like right up against us. Do yeah. you still got that wad of Stacy Keeler's hair? I do. You do? Yeah. Okay. It's in my senior yearbook. For the record, you in your senior yearbook. Could you please sign this? I'm not a stalker or anything. For the yeah. record, Jay did not pull that out of her. No, I didn't pull it out of her hair. Uh, her hair had got pulled out during the match. Um, and uh, somebody, you know, knowing what a big fan I was, asked the ring attendant to grab her hair. And uh, he, he gave it to me. So, yes, I legitimately have a bag with Stacey Keeler's hair. There's a feather in your cap. <laughs> I love that chick, dude. If I if I could ever um, use that to clone her. Okay. Uh, <laughs> sure, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we could. Yeah, okay. I see where you're going with this. On our next episode, we're going to talk about how to clone a wife. <laughs> well, listen. <laughs> and into the stair. Okay, so now they're back from the crowd. Yep. Okay. Now, this is a submission match, so there's no disqualification, no, yeah. no count-out. The only way you're going to do win this thing is by forcing your opponent to submit. You'll notice Austin is already on the one-knee brace at this point. He he's, hasn't gotten to the point where he needs both braces, and this is before the pile-driver Before injury, the pile-driver uh, incident, yeah. Yeah, with Owen. So, um, Austin, okay. Austin, as you can tell, is very much more flexible. Uh, he does have a blown out wheel here, um, but he is still a, he is still a lot more mobile than what he would become for sure. I'm really in tune with the crowd. I'm seeing how the crowd's reacting here, and I'm it, I don't know. Right now, they just seem like they're kind of kind of in the middle. They are. I mean, you you can see. You can see the division. Like Austin has his fans, Brett still has his fans. But you're going to see here, Jay, that during the course of this match, especially later on, and if you haven't watched this match, I don't want to give anything away. Sure. But there's going to be a point in this thing where the you are, especially if you're listening to the crowd. You know, we have our shit muted because we're we're, we're talking over it. What a beautiful neckbreaker that was. Um. You, you were really going to start seeing the crowd turn on Brett the Hitman Hart because he starts to get more aggressive, especially after one point where it looks like Austin is very vulnerable, but uh, uh, Brett is just uncharacteristically unrelentless. And that was the key here. I think you're going to, because you watched Brett Hart from his time as, you know, one half of the Hart Foundation tag team with, with Jim the Emerald Neidhart to his run as the Intercontinental Champion even when in his first WWF championship, he had a demeanor about him. You know, he was this ultimate sportsman. That gets thrown out the window during the course of this match, and you're starting to see that, like, right there. Look at the look on his face. The whole demeanor on Bret Hart's face right now is changed. It's more aggressive. It's more raw. This is the shit that I pick up on in retrospect and what I try to point out. And for you, having never seen this match in, in its entirety, and but you know who Brett the Hitman Hart was, is at this point. So I try to, you know, sure, you, yeah. you have basis of comparison then versus oh, yeah, I mean, now early in his career, he was very arrogant, um, but he didn't have this kind of demeanor about him where he's just extremely serious. 
But yeah, he's definitely got the upper hand now in this match. Yeah. You know, the one thing about it. Oh, wow. Up, up until they got into the ring, actually. Nobody was sitting down. You know, you, you had talked nope. You had talked about a, uh, you know, about the crowd. Nobody was sitting down. I didn't see him hit his butt there. He acted like it. Well, listen, you know, we, ouch. <laughs> it could have. He could have pulled a hammy. Yeah, he could have. Which, you know. which went up into into the ass muscle. No, I'm not a biologist by any stretch of the imagination, but listen, that shit can stretch and it can hurt. You know that as well as anybody. Mm-hmm. All right, now Stone Cold is up to his feet, and he's about ready to. Oh, and he's going back like down. Bucks. Okay, I like. Yeah, I like that. And I think that's the other thing here about these two. Number one, you can tell there's mutual respect, real life mutual re- respect between Brett and Steve here. You know, you can tell by the way they interact with one another. You can tell just one feeds for the other. And if you notice, Jay, there's not, you don't notice a lot of talking. Now, this is one of the first times we got to see this, this figure four leg lock around the ring post. This was very innovative at that time. We didn't see this very often. No. And so to see that visual, that's a, another aspect of, damn, you know, as a fan, we're like, is, do, is the real life hatred between these two, now we would know later on. There's Stu and Helen Hart, and actually, there's a whole Hart family in the front oh, row right yeah. there. Okay, Coldstone into the ring. <laughs> okay, anyway. here we go. This God is what you bell. and I were talking okay. about. This is now what you're fixing to see here is, in my opinion where the dynamic shifts where it starts to shift anyway between brett and steve and how the fans are respecting now you'll notice the guys in the front row with the white shirts as soon as brett opened up that chair those are brett hart people he he stood up he started clapping now the other ones and all the black austin 316 shirts are kind of like oh shit, what's happening um now the crowd is starting to really get into this you see a lot more movement in, into the crowd, but boom! <laughs> yes, yeah, a lot of people clapping over a chair shot to the melon. Now this is that that little that little mannerism. Boom! I'll tell you what the one thing <laughs> the one thing about these two they beat the shit out of each other. They did not hold anything back you know nobody took a, a buckle bump any no. better than Brett. No. you know what no i mean you would think the ring would hold it and there he whispers in his ear hey i'm gonna suplex you well that's what i was gonna say earlier is you know a lot of times you go back and you watch this and, and you can pinpoint where where they're talking yeah to each other. oh yeah these two didn't do that a whole lot and if they did they did it so masterfully um you you just didn't notice it and that's when you know who's been doing this for a long time who who has the little things down so that you don't notice a full-blown conversation happening that's going to lay out the next three or four spots in, in, a, in a particular match. But even with as aggressive as Steve Austin is being here, as you can see, this oh, little, this kid is having, her face. Yeah, having an issue I with it. Uh, just wait, kid. You ain't seen shit yet. Yeah. <laughs> but they were still able, like the Russian leg sweep. When's the last time you... Oh, we got a submission move here. Yep. That was something that actually uh, Brett taught him uh, the night before. Is that right? Yeah, because, again, Steve Austin wasn't a submission wrestler, as he's got snot running out of his nose, but be that as it may, he wasn't a submission wrestler. So he actually didn't know he was going to be doing this match until he was at home watching Raw when they announced that this match was going to happen. He had no idea. Uh, Brett, uh, maybe if you, uh, (laughs) 
Sorry. <laughs> I don't mean disrespect. Brett or a Stu Hart is just one of the true pioneers of this business. And they're the old school. But I was going to say, they're using, they're using a lot of old school moves, like the Boston Crab here. Like, you can legitimately hurt somebody. A little, with yeah. It. A legit Boston Crab. I mean, that is hooked in deep. You. Not like uh, the Rick Martell Boston Crab. <laughs> no. I'll say this about Ken Shamrock, too. As big of a star in UFC as he was at this time, a lot of people, and you've seen it over the years of you watching wrestling, anytime they brought a, a celebrity or another uh, athlete in, they would try to go into business for themselves or try to put that spotlight on themselves. Shamrock did not do that. He stayed the hell out of the way until he had to get involved. Right. And I... I picked up on that the night of the pay-per-view, watching this match live on pay-per-view. Like, wow, he is really, he, he gets it. It's not about him, it's about the match. And, I, and that was my first appreciation for Ken Shamrock. I knew of him before coming to, to do oh, this same match. Here. Yeah. Um, but you always worry about guys that come from legit sports coming into the world of professional wrestling, are they going to be disrespectful with it? Ken Shamrock obviously was not. Not on this night because this is, you know, he would carve out his own career. Uh, yeah. Seems like you told him to go, yeah. He's jacked. Huge. Yeah. And right right there. Oh. Boom. So it looks like, okay, so I've seen this part before, and it almost looked like he stumbled over somebody there. Right. And this is where I we talked about this yesterday, right there. I it's believe, probably right where he's getting he's getting gigs. He's getting some color. Okay. Now I always thought that um, and as soon as Austin picks his head up here, you're going to see it. Got it. Um, yeah. I always thought he got cut the hard way r running into that rail, uh, but apparently, but you could see just how how much blood wow, is just pumping is. out. Wow. Okay. He got gigged hard on this. And I think Brett, at this point, is looking at him like, oops, I went a little deep. But yeah, <laughs> it doesn't yeah. make. Um, yeah, a little bit of the momentum taken out. Yeah. yeah. There before he uh, tripped onto the railing. But, uh, you know, this, this is where you're going to really start seeing the dynamic shift. You're going to start seeing Austin is obviously very badly cut. And Brett is unrelentless with this, and the uh, and the fans are starting to almost feel sorry sure. for Stone Cold. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I feel bad. Yeah, he's cut pretty bad. I mean, it's like with every heartbeat, it's like yeah. I mean, he's leaking. He's leaking pretty good. I can remember years and years ago thinking, man, how do they how do they keep bleeding like that? You know, with all this fake blood, how do they just keep bleeding? Right. But, you know, you later learn that it's not fake blood. How they got it may it may not have been uh, absolutely legitimate, yeah. but I mean, you take a look at this, and you know, Bret Hart is the consummate pro professional, right? Like he's done this shit before. It was actually, you know, he's the one that actually did the gig for for Austin. And I told you this yesterday when we were talking about this. Austin has a framed picture of this match. And in the shadow box is the actual razor that Brett used to cut off. Is to that cut right? Austin. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because at this time, the WWF had a no blood policy. Well, they threw that shit out the window. With yeah, but guys, guys were bleeding, weren't they, before this, though? Well, yeah, but you'll... The, it almost went in spurts. Like, the... the there would have been a period of time where you saw blood play like Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Anytime he wore white, you knew damn well he was bleeding on that night. Because a lot of guys will do that. They'll wear their white gear in matches that they know that they're going to gig so that you can see more of the blood. Um, so anytime Hogan wore white, you knew he was bleeding he was that night. Bleed, yeah. But I, you look at Steve Austin's head here. 
Uh, I mean, the ring is just covered. Yeah. Yep. That's what, and I think that's what really fed into like, damn, man, that 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 blow against the rail really did a number on him. But so I was surprised when I heard that he was actually he was actually gigged, you know. Oh, right in the jewels. Down goes Brett. Well, that's a, you know, act of desperation. Yeah. Desperate times I call quit. for desperate measure, pal. I give up. I give up. <laughs> but the the selling, like still in at this point of a match, Austin is selling that knee like he's like he should be. Brett has spent 15 minutes working on his knee, and he's you know he's doing a very good job selling it. That's an art that's being lost, seemingly, with every year now. Like, nobody wants to sell. Nobody I absolutely love that part. It's like, he just gets so enraged. He just starts kicking the shit out of the hitman. Now, I'll be honest with you. At this point, I was over the whole Bret Hart. I I, I was over the crying and and crying and complaining. Okay. I was very much on Austin's side because he was so different. He was so entertaining. And it was an edgier product than we... The the, the era of Hulkamania was no longer a thing in the WWF at this point. This was what everything was gearing towards. And I was, I was here for it. Yeah, it's more like Hulk too, I guess, at this point. Exactly. Exactly. That is a lot of red. Yeah. Hey, get up. I got to pick you up now and I mean, yeah. lead on you. This was uh, one of the rare instances when you go back and watch this, you're like, oh, well, they just called the next three, yeah. four, five yeah. spots, right? I'm going to choke you with a wire here. And somehow or another, like, it's amazing that they had just a few spots worked out in, in this match. And uh, now, see, this is something, this was very old school. This was very Texas. The bell. And kaboom. The, they, the whole hanging you couldn't do that shit nowadays no. without without people calling for your cancellation. One of the first times I saw anybody hung was uh, Don Morocco hanging Steamboat. Yeah, yep. I remember I remember that. Was that WWF? Yes, it was. Was it? Okay. I remember seeing it at my cousin's house. Uh, I didn't know if that was in a, you know somewhere different. So this is what's going to wind up uh, leading to the end of the match here, but at this point, the crowd has really started, and, and, and I told you, it was, in my opinion, the whole hanging and, and, and belts sequence leading into the sharpshooter. And you can see every time Austin picks his head up. He is gushing. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah, he's leaking. Shamrock is down there talking to him, making sure that he is legitimately staying conscious. Because this is the longest time anybody has stayed in the sharpshooter. I would, yeah, I would think so. At this point, you know, um, this move had been used to put away Ric Flair and, I mean, just anybody and everybody that Brett beat. Look at that. Wow. Now, that Iconic visual. picture right yeah, there. I'm going to say that visual has been on T-shirts. It's been on posters. And you you can see the crowd really dialed in on this, really getting behind Austin here. Brett not letting go, sitting like he's got it perfectly sunk in. This is what makes Stone Cold the star that he is. You know what I'm saying? This match right here, and the fact that he did not tap out, he did not submit. Shamrock called for the bell. It was over. Brett wins the match. 
but this is one of these things. It's not about who who goes over. It's about who got over. So Brett wins the match. But I think the ultimate winner here is Steve. is Steve Austin because this is going to catapult him to the greatest heights. This business will see for a long, long, long time. Now, right now, Brett's got his fans, and you can see there's a lot of reaction. But as soon as he he turns back around and starts uh, his post-match bullshit, this is where you're really going to see the turn. The, the heel. Or it's going to solidify it, I oh. guess. Because in my mind, at this point, it had all it had already happened. I I am now full blown on Team Austin, and Brett can go fuck himself. Like that's where sure. that's where I was at with right. the whole thing, and I know I'm not the only one. But you've just watched this match, and you, you'll see the post match yeah. attack and stuff like that. A couple people, yeah, you know, looks like a couple people flipping them off there. So now that you've seen this in its entirety, what what is your takeaway from Bret Hart? And Stone Cold at WrestleMania 13. Yeah, I mean, this was definitely a good match. Um, I, I guess I kept looking for, like, the, the turns. Oh, Shamrock just completely. While Brett looks uh, a little bewildered. Here. Yeah. Like, what just happened? I don't know if he was supposed to throw him like that. Yeah, Brett looks really confused. Like, are you kidding me? I think this is where Shamrock may have gone into business from. Yeah, I was wondering that. Yeah, yeah. No, this is definitely a real good match. Uh, I guess I kept looking throughout the match, going, "Okay, where, where's the double switch come in?" But I think it's just so gradual. Yeah, that it's not really a specific point, specific spot. But at the end is when Brett really solidifies the heel, the heel turn right there. He just flipped the fan off. Right. Obviously, you know whether it was a fan or an Austin fan, you know, but, uh, but yeah, he's, he's looking like I am a heel now and I'm no longer a good guy. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, those same people that he just flipped off and shunned walking back were the same ones that had their hands out as he was walking sure. out. So they got it. You know, oh, they understood. There's this matches uh, first stunner. Yeah. Uh, and the worst, one of the worst I've, uh, I've ever seen, but be that as it may. But the fact that Austin walks out on his own accord after losing about a gallon of blood here, right? Um, really set the tone for where his career was going. And at the next pay per view, he would face The Undertaker for the WWF Championship in his first pay per view world title match. Because of this performance here. And they're chanting Austin. Yep. They're chanting Austin. Okay. Yeah, great match. Yeah, it told a beautiful story. Yeah, this is uh I'm I'm glad I'm glad I was able to to show this to you. Um one one of the one of the pivotal points in the world wrestling federation because like i've said like this is what puts the rocket to austin and i mean his he just he became bigger than the business he's the last guy they became bigger than the business some some may make an argument for john cena john cena look at that the stain the blood stained mat um did you take that to the laundromat? What do you do? You know, <laughs> I don't really know what you would do with that. Probably just burn it at this point. Um, you know, when I had my mat cover, not I had a canvas one, and then, then I had um, a vinyl one. You know, obviously the vinyls are easier to clean, but the canvas one I actually took to a car wash and would lay it out in the bottom of the car wash and just spray the shit out of it. Um, and then kind of put it on a fence to let it dry. Uh, I don't think they do that because they have enough money. Because, I mean, they have like four or five mat covers on every ring. You know? uh, Just peel it right off. and Yeah. yeah. 
and go to the next one. Now with this one, I believe they they peeled it off, and uh, the one on the one underneath was was stained as well. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, man, that's uh, wow, history right there. Brought the Hitman Heart and uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, I know Bruce has talked about that match too quite often. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I can see how that match has definitely lived up and to its name and why it's considered one of the best matches yeah what did you think of the wrestlemania 13 logo i mean we're looking at it now because we we turned the show off but i like flaming 13 i like it yeah yeah Yeah, i dig that it was the first time since wrestlemania 2 that they did not use roman numerals to to describe the number for WrestleMania. i like this yes um so I, I I do too. It has a different feel to it. It has a very very much a very more raw and gritty um, feel to it. Now it, this is not the last time we would see Bret Hart at WrestleMania 13. He would come back later on and uh, interfere in the world title match between The Undertaker and Psycho Sid. So it keeps Bret in the title picture even though Austin is the one that's going to get the title shot at the next month's In Your House show. So it kind of interesting tidbits here and there moving on. But uh, I don't know, man. I'm glad we, we were able to, to do this for the pilot episode. Yeah, I like the good experience on that. Getting broken with a good match. And listen, they're not all going to be uh, five-star <laughs> blockbusters. No, they won't be. There will be some where... Well, we, we will pull out of the archives and just butcher the shit out of it because that's what I like to do. Um, you know, some some shows will be longer. Some of them we will we will watch a long a entire pay per view or a Saturday night's main event or a wrestling challenge or something like that. Uh, you know, say what you want about Peacock. Uh, I mean, they have the archives of our childhood. They... Yep, there's many a years on here. You know, we can pull up anything, be like, hey, remember when we did this? Or remember when this was going on at that time? And I don't know, man. It's uh, it's crazy to sit here all these years later and look back, even yeah. to 1997. Like, seems like yesterday in some aspects, but in reality, it's a lifetime ago. Yeah, it, <laughs> yeah, it really was. It really was, you know, and I think about the kids with the wrestling that they experienced today versus what we experienced. And man, if, if only they could only have four shows a year. Right. And how we waited the, you know, the shows that led up to the events and the WrestleManias that, that was, that was worth it. It really, really, truly was. I agree. They just, they got way too many shows now. Yep. It uh, really has, you know, diminished. Yeah. what the pay-per-view experience is supposed yes. to be like. Yes, now, because I, why Why get it or why run it? Because the next day, there's the title could just change hands again. Yeah. Now, I will say, you know, in relation to that, WrestleMania, I don't know. I guess I can make an argument. The, the big four, still to me, all these years later, like those are marquee shows. They, oh, me. absolutely. They have to be. They're staples. Um, so they still, they still coming into WrestleMania this year, even though WrestleMania is now two nights and there's just so much pomp and circumstance that goes into it, it's still WrestleMania. It's, it, still, it's yeah. still the crown yeah. jewel, the granddaddy of them all, if you will. Um, so that part is not lost on me. It's not lost on the industry, and, and I can appreciate it. You that. like the two nights? No. No. I don't. Um, I feel like. It takes it takes away from it. yeah you know yeah, I, I agree I agree a lot of people love the two nights because it gets everybody and their brother on a WrestleMania card and gets a WrestleMania payday well I don't really, really in my philosophy you're you are not um, you have to earn your spot to be on WrestleMania mm-hmm. you know that's the way it was back in the day. The roster of 80 plus, there's only six or seven or eight matches on the card, unless we're talking about WrestleMania 7, which had 14 matches mm-hmm. on that particular card. But, you know, 
you earned your spot to be on the pay-per-views. And if you didn't make the cut, you didn't make the cut. That's unfortunate. Nope. Um, nope. But nowadays, it ain't like that. Everybody, Everybody's getting a WrestleMania payday, you know, whether it be their involvement in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal or if you're headlining against Roman Reigns for the Universal title. It doesn't even matter. Um, yeah, it almost takes the, uh, you know, the emotional zing out of it you know same reason why i don't watch christmas movies in july you know for sure you know for sure i totally get that i i don't need two nights i don't need three nights four nights you know wrestlemania i i'm I'm good with one and i'm good with four events yeah you know true story well look man uh we're we're gonna go ahead and put a bow on this on this pilot episode we certainly appreciate everybody tuning in this week Thank you for stopping by here and being a part of this, you know, this re relaunch of this particular show. And uh, if you have questions, comments, show topic ideas, you want to suggest a match, a show, an angle, whatever the case may be, shoot us an email over at close to the heart at gmail.com or go to close to the heart.net or PFC network net and find our contact information on there or just go over to facebook and look for pro wrestling rewind podcast that's a lot to write down that's why <laughs> i got it all up in, in the old noodle here pal uh for jason floyd i'm jason klaus we appreciate you tuning in be awesome to yourselves and to each other we'll see you next time right here on the pro wrestling rewind on the pfc entertainment